Hey, this is Jerry Galloway. I'm the pastor of LHA Church, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this encourages your heart, strengthens your faith, and gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Man, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, if you'll take them out and let's go together to Philippians, the fourth chapter. Philippians chapter number four. And before we read the text together, I want to take just a minute and give you a little bit of information. When you come this evening for the picnic, I just want to mention we're going to be in shelter number six which is the reason I take time to mention that it's a different shelter than we have met at in the past. And so uh, when you come in, you can look for shelter number six. We'll all be there early. Uh, You'll be able to find us out there. But we just encourage you to come. It's a great evening to spend some time together at fellowship and get to know one another a little bit better. And so we just welcome you to come. And then I want to take a moment. And um, as your pastor, I just want to take a moment and talk just a little bit about praise and worship. You know, when we experience some things like we did this morning, when we have some time, when maybe, you know, we're not singing all the words uh, that's on the screen and and maybe worship goes through a time like that, here's why. God, God wants your worship. Now, we come together as a corporate body to worship him, but really he's listening for your voice. He's not listening for the whole group, he's listening for you. And you know, often our worship, we have relegated our worship to what everybody's singing that's maybe on the, on the screen. Really what he wants to hear is he wants to hear worship from your heart. And so when of those times, don't let, that be, don't let that be a struggle for you. I encourage you just relax in it and just, just worship. Just as the Lord leads you and the Lord will speak to you and he'll give you words. Just, just worship him and uh, take some time to worship on your own. Let's head into the Word together. You know, for the past few weeks, we've been looking at the blessing that joy and peace brings to our lives. And the truth is there's a reason that many in the world today are not able to cope with the difficulties of life, with the pressures of daily living, or as the Bible describes for us, the cares of life. How many of you have experienced there's a lot of cares in this life? This world is, is full of cares. And when we find people who are not able to cope with those difficulties, often what we find is they have not experienced the blessing and the power that joy and peace comes, brings to our lives through our relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is not just a spiritual band-aid for your life. Jesus Christ is the cure for your life. Can you say Amen. He's not just a way to live. He's the only way to live. He doesn't offer us just life, but the Bible says, John in 10 and verse 10, he offers us abundant life in Jesus Christ. When you you try to do this thing that you and I call life without Jesus Christ, sure, we we can muddle our way through it all, but you're not going to have and not going to find the joy and the peace and the security that comes from knowing Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Now, this morning, I just want to give you a a disclosure before I get started. This message today is for everyone. So look at your neighbor and say, this one's for you today. 
So we probably might do as well to buckle our seatbelts and settle in for a few minutes this morning because the turbulence might pick up a little bit as we go along. And I don't want anybody to be shocked this morning as we walk together because the truth and the reality is of this message this morning, it's relative to all of our lives. It's relative to all of our lives every day that we live. Now, I want to take some time now that we understand what joy and peace are, and I want to walk through today some keys to living a life of joy and peace. You know, it's one thing to know the truth. It's another thing to live in the truth. And there are many enemies of joy and peace in our lives. Joy, joy and peace are such wonderful and rich and powerful truths that come to our lives through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And because of that, there are many enemies that are going to combat them. And this morning's, uh, this me- I'll be honest with you, this message, I was so blessed sometime back as I was uh, in study and there was uh, an outline that I came across and a lot of what I want to share with you today is adapted from that, that, that outline that so blessed my heart. But you know, this morning, the truth about joy and peace is that most of us don't have issues with them when everything's going great. When there's plenty of money in the bank, when the marriage is going strong, when the kids are excelling in life, when the atmosphere of the home is near paradise, most do not struggle with joy and peace. But the reality is that's not life for the majority of Americans today and those who live on planet Earth. And that's really what we're going to find in our text this morning. Look with me, if you will, Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13. Paul said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned but had no opportunity to show it. And what we find here is the church at Philippi, they had been supporting financially, they had been supporting Paul in his ministry, and they went through a season, they went through a time where they were not able to support him. And he said, I know that your heart was there, I know you wanted to do that, but you were not able to do that. You'll notice in the passage he goes on, he says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned, somebody say learned. That's a key word today. For I have learned to be content. That's a big word, isn't it? I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And I have learned, there's that word again, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, the first thing we find this morning is this. Joy and peace remains in a heart of contentment. We've been looking at joy and peace that flows out of our relationship with Jesus, but what I want to try to do this morning is I want us in this message to take hold 
of a truth here. This, this message is not just about experiencing joy and peace, but rather it's living a life that's found in joy and peace. Not just when things are going great, but uh, experiencing joy and peace when things aren't going so great. You'll notice in the passage that Paul says these words, I have learned to be content. This wasn't something that just came over him. He wasn't in a service and somebody prayed for him and all of a sudden now he's content with everything. But rather, he says, this came from walking this life with Christ by my side and in doing so, I have learned what it means to be content. Now, I shared with you a few minutes ago, this was a message that would apply to all of us. All of us at one point or another, maybe uh, you're even in this spot today, have struggled with the word content. Content. What does the word content mean? I heard a great teaching sometime back on this word. You see, the word content in its origin is the word that we get our word county from. Now, we today live in Grant County. You know, the original idea of a county was a self-sustaining landmass that inside the borders of the county, they're self-sustaining. It's the idea of needing no imports. We've got everything right here that we need. We don't need any fuel. We don't need any food. We don't need anything brought in. We are completely self Sufficient. That's the idea. That is the thought process behind the word content. Content then in light of the meaning has great power in our lives. My, my blessing of joy and peace does not come from the world. The world doesn't have to import into my life for me to have joy and peace. That's why money can't buy my peace. That's why problems can't export it or, or take it away. My joy and peace comes from knowing God and walking in the purpose of God and being in communion with the people of God. I don't need any imports concerning joy and peace in my life. That's the thought behind contentment. And nothing will strengthen your heart, nothing will strengthen your mind like the truth of contentment. We've been talking about joy and peace for a while. And here's contentment is like a fortress that surrounds joy and peace. Contentment's like a fortress or or a, a place of security around joy and peace. It guards, it protects, it encourages our joy and peace. Living a life, the truth is a living a life of discontentment is an enemy of joy and peace in your heart and mind. If you and I are constantly needing imports into our lives for us to experience joy and peace, friend, what you really have is happiness, not joy and peace. You see, contentment solidifies joy and peace in my life when it says, Paul said, I have learned I've learned to be content. How many of you know that it is a journey of learning to be content? We don't always hit it on the mark the first time. We don't hit it on the mark the second time. We don't hit it on the mark the 50th time. 
It's a learning process of learning to walk in joy and peace. But the truth is that walking in joy and peace is not based off anything the world has. Now, I want to share four areas, four areas in which we struggle with learning to be content. Four areas that we learn that we struggle in learning to be content in. And the first one is this, where I am. Where I am. So much of contentment has to do with geography. Right now we are, we are caught up, we are engrossed in summertime. Right now the trees have leaves on, the flowers are still blooming, the grass is still green. Normally in August in Indiana our grass is brown. It's green right now. We're in the throes of summertime. Tonight we're going to have a picnic. Aren't you glad we don't call for a church picnic at the park when it's 20 degrees outside? It's a lot more fun when it's summertime than the truth is, but we know that we have went through the majority of summer already. Kids are heading back to school. Some of our students that graduated this year are getting ready to head to college for the first time. It's a new season for them. I don't know about you, but I have found this to be true in life. Griping, somebody say griping. griping. Griping about the weather can become a habit. If it's hot, well, it's too hot. If it's cold, it's too cold. If it's rainy, it's too rainy. One of the, the things that has changed uh, over the years while I have pastored over the many years, as you know, there was a time when we came to church, it didn't matter what, but now we find if it's too sunny, people won't come out because the weather's too nice. Well, then when it gets too cold, they won't come out because it's too cold. And if they get up in the morning, they're tired and it's rainy, they got to stay in because it's too rainy and I'm way too tired. We're constantly looking for another place that's different than what we have. A place that's warmer in the winter, cooler in the summer. We tend to live in misery looking for something better than what we have. I don't know if any of you have ever had the opportunity to go to the Caribbean or not, but it is an incredibly beautiful place. When I uh, have had the opportunities to visit that area and, you know, you're there and the water is, it doesn't look like the Mississippi River. I mean, it's beautiful blue, it's clear, it's incredible. And you get there and you think, they have, I can't imagine living here every day, waking up and seeing that beautiful blue water. Because when I step out my door in Indiana, all I see is soybeans and corn and flatlands and nothing real exciting. And I think, oh, it would be so much better to live here. When we have snow and ice, they have warm weather. But I found something that they also have that we don't have all the time. They have high humidity the majority of the time. They have hurricanes. They have bugs. In fact, I would describe that they have really large bugs. There's one reason I don't live there. I can't live there and be married to my wife. Because she wouldn't have anything to do with the really large bugs. It wouldn't happen. And the truth is most of the Caribbean islands are uh, very, very poor. 
they have very challenging economies. So here's the challenge to us today. Take the feelings that you have and put them in perspective and in context. There's an old song that I thought of this week in preparation for today that just, I thought the truth was so good. It's the words that says, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Can I ask you this question today? Do you realize how very blessed we are today? Snow or no snow? When you think about how minuscule it is to complain about the weather, the truth is we're really spoiled, aren't we? What, uh, what we're doing is we're looking for something that'll make me a little bit happier. I need another city, another house. I need another this. I need another that. And then I'll really be happy. We've often heard the phrase that the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. The problem I found with that truth is this. The greener the grass, the more you have to mow it. <laughs> Normally in August, we don't mow in Indiana very much. We're mowing all the time now, aren't we? We always look across and say, wow, if I could just have that, I'd be so much happier. I would find some contentment if I could just have that. One of the things that causes us an enemy and it's a struggle against contentment is where I am. Secondly, it's this, what I do. I heard someone say the other day, I don't love my job, but I'm thankful for it. There is this idea in America that your job is supposed to be the ultimate fulfillment in your life. Yes, it's great to connect with something that you enjoy doing. It's great to connect with something that really kind of connects with your personality. But what a job really means is that somebody else is calling the shots. What it means is you're doing something for the benefit of somebody else. Somebody else who has the opinion on how the job should be done. Somebody else who determines when you should do it. Someone else determines the way you should do it. They're calling the shots, not us. That's why they call it a job. Every job. Somebody say every job. Every job has a thorn in the side. Every workplace has one of those kinds of people. You know who I'm talking about? Some of y'all visualizing them right now. Some of you not even visualize them. You know them by name. That individual who's come into your life to make your job ten times harder. They think it is their life calling to bring uh, frustration to bring agitation to the work environment and you just happen to be the lucky recipient how many of you people have lately heard anybody say how blessed they are to have a job i'm blessed that i have a paycheck this week I'm blessed that I have a place to go. The other day I went to Lowe's, and, and I don't know these individuals, and you probably don't either, but I stood in the aisle. I was in the electrical aisle, and I was looking for some electrical plates, and I couldn't find 
what I was looking for. And so it was taking me some time. And, and I just happened, these, these two fellows were, were uh, they were in the aisle, and they were both complaining about the workplace. I mean, pardon me for a minute. I'm just going to be as honest. They sound like a couple a little ladies complaining and griping. They were big, burly guys, and they're belly aching and, and carrying on about how terrible their job is. And I, I'm just going to be honest with you because I was outside the circle so I could do this. But I thought, I wonder how much they'd complain if they didn't get a paycheck this week. Or if the new vehicle they went out and got in, they didn't have anymore. This morning, I told you we were going to talk about something that applies to all of us. It's the word contentment. So we're contentment. I want to encourage you to do this. Start speaking blessing over your life. Start speaking blessing over your workplace. Start speaking blessing over your surroundings. It doesn't matter where it is. Listen, it doesn't matter where it is. It's a job. Listen to the words of Hebrews 13 and 5. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. Can I challenge you in this tomorrow as you get out of the vehicle to go into work on the way up and you're visualizing the place and some of you are already getting in the mind frame of what it's going to be when you get inside. I encourage you when you get out of the car, all the way up the front door, just say, Lord, I thank you that you've blessed me with this job today. I thank you that I'm not on a sick bed today, but I can get up and walk, and I can get in, I can go do my job. I can earn a paycheck to take care of my family. I can earn a paycheck that puts food in my refrigerator, a roof over my head, pays the electric bill, the gas bill. It buys not only what I need, it buys what I want in this life. God, I thank you. I thank you that your blessing is over me today. I thank you that your favor is over me. I thank you that your goodness and mercy overshadows me all the day of my life I tell you it'll change the perspective when you walk into the workplace listen I'm not saying this is not a message about stop dreaming this is not a message saying don't reach for something else listen if you can get a better job honey go get it if you got another opportunity go get it if you want to dream for something greater go get it that's not what this is about this is not a sit in misery and be miserable your whole life. This is about the journey between point A and point B. This is about learning to live a life with contentment because the truth is there are those who live in misery every single day because they don't have what they want. They don't have uh, the place they want and they don't have the place where they do life like they want. Listen, a lack of contentment will steal away your joy and peace. A lack of contentment keeps us constantly in a state of being unhappy, dissatisfied, constantly pining for more, void of joy and peace, never able to see the incredible blessings that we have. Listen, right where we are. Paul said, I've learned to be content in any and every situation. The third one is this, what I have. In your mind, I want you to complete this statement. I'll just be a lot happier when we have blank. 
I'll be a lot happier when we have a bigger house, another car, more money, less bills, better health. Whatever that thing is to you, the truth is those things can be varied as much as there are many people. Have you ever found in life that the things that we thought we had to have, when we got them, they were much less than we thought they'd be? You wait forever to get it only to find that once you got it, it wasn't as exciting and it wasn't as wonderful as you thought. I shared with you last week that there are those in our society who seem to have it all. They've got the mansions, they've got the, uh, it's, you know, years ago there was a program on TV, The Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Everyone pines to live the lifestyle, the rich and the famous. But the truth is, those who are rich and famous, we found several of them in recent months that they have everything that everyone wishes they could acquire, but yet their lives have no peace or joy. Listen, there's nothing of, and I want to put in parentheses these words, no true no true life value in those things. They're empty and they're void of substance. It's hard to imagine, but the truth is we have convinced ourselves that an inanimate object has the ability to bring fulfillment and happiness into our lives. I want to repeat that again. We have convinced ourselves that an inanimate object car, a house, money, uh, new toys. You know, we really don't grow up. Our toys just get more expensive. <laughs> that if I can just get this thing, somehow I'll be happier. Listen to the words of Luke 12 and 15. Then he said, speaking of Jesus, he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. You see, there's nothing wrong with having things. I like nice things. Y'all, how many of y'all like nice things? Don't you like when it's 90 out? Don't you like having air conditioning? You know, it's not necessary, but it sure helps you sleep better at night, doesn't it? When you go to work in the morning, maybe you got all cleaned up, got dressed up, and you're going to work, or you're going to church, and it's 90 degrees out, and you're pouring sweat. Isn't it nice to be in air conditioning, and you still get there, and you smell, still smell like a fresh flower? It's a whole lot better, isn't it? There's some nice things. It's okay. This is not a sermon that's saying don't enjoy nice things and don't have nice things. That's not the purpose. That's not our aim. Life does not consist meaning in my life, value in my life, joy and peace in my life will not come from an abundance of possessions. Be careful, believers. Contentment, listen to this. Contentment will guard against jealousy and covetousness in our lives. When somebody else gets something you'd like to have, instead of being jealous, 
and coveting choose to be happy for them? I'm going to let that one just settle for a minute. Especially when they get the thing you've always wanted and you couldn't have it. It's quiet in the church today. Y'all act like that's people down the church down the other street and you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's when that other person gets something and you think, wow, they already had nice things. Why do they need something else nice? Jealousy. Jealousy is an ugly attribute to have. Jealousy will rob you of joy and peace because you will consistently and constantly be in turmoil of wanting something you don't have, wanting to be something you are not. Paul said these words, I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstance whether I'm in plenty or whether I'm in need. Whether I have everything I would like to have or not, I've learned, he said, to be content. There is great power in this truth for our lives because contentment will guard your joy and peace. Three things we've covered that are enemies against contentment. The last one. Who I'm with. Who I'm with. Nothing is more punishing to your family, your friends, your co-workers, your church, your pastor, than discontentment. Well, if you were just, if this place would just, if you just did dot, dot, dot. It's when we turn to those around us and we ask them to be what no person can be for us. It's the syndrome of never enough. No one is ever enough for you. Your spouse is never enough. It's the person that hates the winter, hates their job, hates their house, hates their circumstances, and they come home, and in that same spirit, they pound and punish those around them because they are discontented with life. It's when we know something is missing, and we take it out on those who are around us. For the man whose wife is never enough. She's never thin enough, never domesticated enough. She's never young enough. She never looks right. She never dresses right, never talks right, never acts right, never thinks right. Bottom line, he's right, but she's never right. For the woman, whose husband is never romantic enough for the husband she's waiting for him to learn to be or that she wants him to learn how to be. He's never motivated enough. He's never organized enough. He never grows up, never has his act together for the parent or the parents 
whose children are never ambitious enough, never well-behaved enough, never educated enough, when in reality no person on this earth has the ability to give you contentment. If you're waiting for your spouse to make you content, it's going to be a very long life of discontentment for you. Listen, I'm going to take a moment here and talk to you as couples. It's very, 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 very dangerous place to be. How many affairs have had their origin in discontentment? Listen, if you go around thinking in your mind or speaking in your words, my wife is never this, my wife is never that, I promise you the enemy will put a woman in front of you that is everything you say your wife is not. And to the ladies, if you always talk about, well, my husband's not this and he's not that and he's, you know, Paula and I's joke, Paula loves to watch Hallmark movies, and it's like there ain't no man on the face of the planet that is Hallmark. He's not there. <laughs> let me give you, let me, this is a truth you may not know. All of the guys on Hallmark are actors. <laughs> it's not a for real documentary. They're portraying. Didn't know if you knew that or not. I just thought I'd tell you that today. <laughs> If you're always talking about what your husband is not and how you wish he this and how you wish he that and, and all these things he never does, I promise you the devil will bring a man to you that, oh, he knows exactly how you feel and, oh, everything you think he thinks is so cute and so wonderful. I'm just being real with you. Well, he doesn't understand me. The devil will bring a man that seems like from the first moment you begin to talk, well, I haven't seen you in 20 years, but you understand everything I understand. Oh, man, it's a setup. Be careful when you are discontented in your life. Really, it's your discontented life. It just rolls over into the marriage. The marriage is not the problem. It's the spirit of being discontented. Listen, I'm not saying that you don't have a tough job, and I'm not saying you don't have a difficult marriage. That's not the point. But my joy and my peace, your joy and your peace, will not come from those things. It will only come through him. Nobody else. Nobody else. And nothing else can be to you what only Jesus Christ can be. It's no wonder there's no joy and no peace in their life. They have this idea of how it'll be one day. But the problem is that they're killing those around them while they're waiting for the sweet by and by. Paul said, I've learned to be content. Probably one of the areas that drains a church are those who consistently think the church is never enough. They never match up enough to what all the other churches are doing. 
They never have the right plan, the right music, the right volume, the right parking, the right time, the right people. People are doing their job are not the right people doing the right job. I remember, I'm telling you a true story. I remember years ago, I had just started a ministry, and the pastor that I was working for, I'm not kidding you, I had been in this position two weeks. And he said, oh, did I remember to tell you that I'm going on vacation? And he left me with the church all by myself. Well, there was a, a fella who would sing quite often in the church, and that morning he got up to sing. And, and used to, some of you who uh, have sang in the passage church, used to, you knew we had soundtracks that we would sing by. And, and, and as we progressed through times, we got soundtracks, and the soundtracks sometimes would have multiple keys on the same tape. Well, this, this lady was back in the sound booth, and this gentleman walked up and got himself all presented and got himself looking well, and he was ready to sing his song and wow us all. And she started his tape, and he realized it's not on the right track. And so he said, that, that, that's not the right one. And so she stopped. And I'm like, this never happens if the pastor had been here. It's because I'm filling in. And so I'm sitting there. That's used to years ago we would, we would sit on the platform, and I, I'm looking at the people. And they're looking at me like, what are you going to do? You're new, boy. What are you going to do? And so she started the tape again, and no, it's the wrong one again. So he says, that's, that's the wrong one. So she tries it again. Third time, still the wrong one. This guy, I am not kidding you. He stops right in the middle of the service and looks back at her and says, do you know what you're doing? telling you what, I was green in the job, but I was red-faced and nervous and embarrassed. It was a terrible morning. You know, there's sometimes we come to church and we think, do you know what you're doing? Did you even think through those things? Did you plan anything today? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? It's so easy to become discontented. So easy. And you know what discontentment does? Discontentment sucks the life. Discontentment draws the joy and the peace out of living this life. The truth is, those in leadership in the church can do the same thing. The church is never enough. The people never do enough. They never praise enough. They never give enough. They never anything enough. Never enough come. Never enough go. <laughs> never enough engage in ministry activity. What happens is when we are like that, we lose, listen to me, we lose the blessing that we have. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Begin to rehearse the good things the Lord has done. Begin to rehearse the things the Lord is currently doing. And by faith, begin to rehearse the blessings God is yet to do. It's no wonder 1 Timothy 6 and 6 said these words. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Doesn't come easy to us. In, in fact, Paul said, I've had to learn this. This has been a learning process. How many of you know there are some things in life we learn the easy way and some things we learn the hard way? 
So the question comes to us today, how do we learn to be content? Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. Listen, it's going through the circumstances that I have learned to be content. Notice verse 12. He said, I know what it is to be in need, and I know. Now, that word know is not just a knowledge. It's an experiential word. I know. I know what it's like to be outside on a very hot day. I've experienced it. I know what it's like to be outside when the snow is blowing and it's below zero. I know what that's like. That's the thought when he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to be in plenty. But he says this, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Now, there, if, if there is a life motto, if there is a life lesson that you want to write out for your life, it could be that one. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether I'm well-fed or hungry, Paul said. Whether I'm living in plenty or I'm living in want. One of the ways that we learn to be content is this, remembering that God is the source of everything. James 1 and 17, every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. See, the challenge of contentment is not comparing what I have to what somebody else has. A concept we have difficulty learning is that we won't find the blessing of more. Man, we don't have time to be here but I wish we had time to spend the whole time together on this. We won't find the blessing of more until we learn to be content with what we have. A few of you got that. We won't find the blessing of more until we've learned com uh, contentment with what we have. Listen, no matter our circumstances, we're blessed. No matter where you live, no matter who you're with, no matter what you do, no matter what you have, we're blessed. Bad job, better than no job. I'll say that one again. Bad job, better than no job. Bad house, better than sleeping on the street. Bad car, better than riding the old horse to church. May we learn to be thankful and content with where we are in life. Listen, here's what discontentment does. Discontentment breeds poison into our lives. Another way that we learn to be content, and I'll do this one in closing, another way we learn to be content is when we realize that our God is our strength in all things. Now, there's a passage we use a lot, and we don't often use it in the context of which it is written, but it's this one we find at the end of our text today, Philippians 4 and 13. Paul says, I've learned to be content in all things. He said, I've learned to be content when I have a lot, when I have a little. I've been learned to be content when I'm hungry and when I'm not hungry. I've learned all these things. And then he closes it out with this phrase, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. 
I can learn the secret of being content in any and every situation because God helps me to do so. Friend, that's when joy and peace are able to thrive in your life. I can do this thing through Christ. I can learn to be content. I can learn to be content. You know, most of us don't have a problem. We're okay to be content. We have plenty. But with Christ's help, I can learn to be content when I don't have plenty. In Christ, I can learn to be content when it seems like every time I get ready to get in the car to go somewhere, it breaks down. This don't work, that don't work. The other day a car drove past my house and the horn was stuck on it. <laughs> From the time they turned off Highway 22 until they went, until you couldn't hear my... I've always been afraid that happened to me while I was downtown somewhere. At least theirs happened out in the country. <laughs> it's, that, it's that thing of you're embarrassed that everybody in the world can see you. I remember my first car I ever had, me and my buddy, we got ready for church. We're heading to church, and the heater core broke in it and dumped antifreeze all over his feet and legs and everything. You know, I wanted to impress my friend. I impressed him, all right. He went to church that day smelling like a car instead of like he wanted to smell. <laughs> I've learned to be content. How? Listen, this is not just something I make up my mind to do. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. You know, I think the truth today is, is to bring this thing to a close. I think the truth is we've all been here before. We've all experienced this feeling. We have all experienced this emotion. Uh, I'm not trying to be super spiritual. There's times when, man, you, you can't hardly make ends meet. And somebody next to you just keeps talking about how much extra money they got and how many things they're buying. And, and you're just like, I don't like you at all. <laughs> I'm just being honest, okay? Like, we've all been there. We've all experienced that. Or your marriage is really suffering, and it seems like when your marriage is suffering, God puts you around people. They're just two little lovebirds, and, and nothing could be finer and greater more wonderful than being. Yeah, they're, just, they, they're the picture of it all, and here you are in misery. We've all been there, and we've all experienced that. And the truth is, if we'll be honest, it's something that we all struggle with, contentment. The Bible is so clear. In a world like ours today, godliness with contentment is a great gain. So listen, whether your neighbor gets something or doesn't get something, you're content. It has nothing to do. You know, if Paul gets something brand new, it has nothing to do with me. The only thing it has to do with me is I ought to bless him and say, man, I'm so glad for you. I'm excited for you. I'm not miserable for you. I'm not jealous of you. Your contentment doesn't have anything to do with anybody else or any other situation or anybody else's marriage or anybody else's anything. I can do all this. I can do all this as I make up my mind and determine. It doesn't say that, does it? I can do all this 
as I just, I make up my will that I'm going to be content and happy and everything. That's not how it worked. I can do all this, Paul said, through Christ who gives me the strength. Why do I need him? Because he is the source of it all. I don't know about you, but I preached this sermon a hundred times to Jerry before I ever came to church today. And I've had to say again and again as I've went throughout the weeks, Oh God, I need your help and your strength today. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to lead us in some prayers. Paula, if you can come. The rest of the musicians, you all can take a break this morning. Paula, if you'll just come. I, I, want to, uh, I, want, I want to engage as many of you in this process this morning, including myself as I can. I want to lead us in some areas of prayer. Listen, God did not create you and I for jealousy. God did not create us for living in a state of discontentment. God created you and I so we could live a life of joy, a life of peace, a life of vitality. John 10 and verse 10, he says, I came that you may have life and have it to the full. That's what he offered. So what I'd like to ask you to do, would you just bow your head right now? And this morning, hmm, this morning I just, for the next moment or two, just, uh, just prepare your heart this morning that the Lord could speak to you as He will. Right where you're at today. Listen, He was there this week with you. He sees it. He knows it. And he understands what's going on. First thing I'd like to walk us through this morning is just a prayer of repentance. And I'm going to lead out, but you need to you need to say your own words. You need to pray your own prayer because you know your situation. May we ask the Lord to forgive us of being jealous of other people. Jealous of what they have. Jealous of what they are experiencing in life. Jealous of what they're accomplishing. Jealous of how they look. Jealous of all the things that they have. And may the Lord forgive us for fostering a spirit of discontentment in our hearts. I want to pray that way. I'll just lead us. You pray right where you're at this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, as you look upon our lives today. Father, you know how easy it is, Lord, in this life to become jealous. Especially, Lord, when we're in a season of need. And we look at others who 
don't seem to be in any need. And Father, it's so easy for our natural self to become jealous of them and we become bitter against other people and we say things about them and we think things about them that, Lord, is not the life you've called us to. So in this morning, right now, Father, in this moment, I say, Lord, forgive us. Lord, we repent. We repent. We repent of jealousy. We repent of coveting, wanting what somebody else, wanting their things, wanting their appearance, their money, their house, their cars, their kids, their marriage. We repent in Jesus' name. Father, that is not the life you've called us to. That is not the hope you've called us to and created us for. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I ask you today, would you forgive us and would you cleanse us, O God? Forgive us, O Lord, of the spirit of discontented. Forgive us of the spirit of fostering discontentment in our hearts and in our minds. Father, forgive us when we speak curses against the blessings that you have given to us. Forgive us when we've spoken ill of our house and our families and our jobs and our vehicles and our health and everything around us, our children, our friends. Forgive us of the times we have spoken curses. We've spoken ill. We didn't use curse words, but, Lord, we spoke in the spirit of a curse, negative, demeaning, hurtful things. Lord, we repent of those things right now in Jesus' name. We repent of them in Jesus' name. We repent of them in Jesus' name. Father, I want to thank you for every job you've ever given to us. And I want to thank you today for the home that we have. I want to thank you, Father, for the food that's in our refrigerators. I want to thank you today for the car. We'll go out and we'll get in to go home today. Or even I thank you, God, if we had to have a ride to get here, I thank you that there was somebody willing to pick us up and bring us to the house of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the spouses that you've given. Thank you for the children you've given. Thank you for the friends you've given. Thank you for the church you've given. Thank you for my neighborhood that I'm in. Thank you. Thank you for all those things. Thank you that we're not alone. Hmm. We're in a body of believers. We may be alone at our home, but we're not alone in this life. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for people who care about us. Thank you for people who believe the best in us. Thank you, Father, that none of us today are starving. Thank you for a comfortable room to sit in that has air conditioning and it'll have heat this winter. Thank you. Thank you for electricity to take care of the building. and Thank you for people that are back there taking care and ministering to our kids today. And Thank you for good people taking care of the babies today. And thank you for the people who 
greeted us when we walked in. Thank you for the sound people. Thank you, Father, for the worship team and the, the musicians. And thank you for the ushers. And thank just thank you, Lord, for everything. And we just we speak blessing over the many, many good things you've brought into our lives. Father, we understand through your word this is a learning process to learn contentment. So, Lord, we do today like the Apostle Paul. And we say, Lord, in you, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. Lord, if we've been living discontented, we can change that in Jesus' name. Lord, if I've been taking it out, if I've been miserable and the people around me have been beaten down, discouraged because of my discontentedness, Lord, I pray there'll be a change in my life. I pray, Lord, that we'll be a blessing when we, hmm, in Jesus' name, Lord, right now I pray this one. When we walk into the house, our family will be blessed because we're there. When we open our mouth and speak words, our families will be blessed because we have spoken. I pray our children will be blessed because we have spoken. I pray husbands and wives will be blessed because the other one has spoken. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that you begin to foster a spirit of contentment in our hearts. Foster a spirit of contentment in our hearts. Father, instead of speaking ill against everything I have, in Jesus' name, I'm again to speak blessing over everything I have. I'm again to thank you, God, for bringing it into my life. So, Lord, would you help us today? For we too, along with Paul, believe, believe we can do all this through Christ who gives us the strength. If you'll just remain heads bowed just for a moment, I cannot close without this. Friend, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I have to tell you from my own life, you're going to keep searching for contentment, but the world cannot give it to you. Friend, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you can today. Jesus is the key to it all. He's the key to peace. He's the key to joy. He's the peace to contentment. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, friend, you can before you leave this place, right where you're at this morning. Friend, if you say, I don't know Jesus, a pastor, I've just been waiting for an opportunity to receive Jesus as my Savior. With all heads bowed, friend, if that's you, would you just, would you just lift up a hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. Just right where I just say, I need Jesus in my life. I want to receive Jesus into my life today. Friend, if that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, please pray for me today, pastor. Anyone this morning while I wait? I just need Jesus in my life. Father, I thank you for those that are here today. I thank you for the things you're doing in our lives. And I thank you for the things that you are yet to do. I believe our greatest days are ahead of us and not behind us. I believe we're walking in a spirit of dreams fulfilled, not dreams shattered. 
because you're the one who's in charge. And we're trusting in you, and we know this, in you, we can do all things. In Jesus' name. And all the church said, amen. I've got, uh, right now our kids are going back to school, and they're getting assignments, and I've got an assignment for you today. You don't have to turn it in next Sunday, I promise. I want to encourage you something. Every time this week that you are tempted to speak ill or curses on something that's a blessing in your life, stop and in reverse speak a blessing over it. When your spouse isn't spousing right... (laughs) And you want to tell them you're Pentecostal and you believe in the laying on hands and you're getting ready to commence to doing it. Begin to, God, I thank you for that. I thank you for my spouse today. I thank you for the blessing they've been in my life. And I thank you for the blessing they'll continue to be. When you are, uh, when something in the house breaks down and the house ain't housing right, this old junk, pile of junk place, I encourage you, God, I thank you that I have a roof over my head. Thank you for a bed to sleep on tonight. Thank you that I can walk in and get food out of the cabinet and the refrigerator. Thank you. When you're, when you're tempted to say all kinds of negative things because you have laundry to do, thank him you have a washer and dryer to do it in. Thank him that you have clothes that need to be washed. It doesn't take very long when we start looking at our lives. We see all the blessings we have. I want to tell you something. A spirit of blessing will foster a spirit of contented. Being contented. Father, I pray you'll bless this truth to the hearts of these men and women today. And I pray, Father, we'll not just be hearers of the word, but we'll be doers of the word. So that we may experience the blessing of your word. So, Lord, I just pray you'll fulfill it in our hearts, not just our ears, but in our hearts and in our lives. Keep us right in the palm of your hand. God bless each one. I'm always so grateful and so thankful to see them and to be with them today in church. Thank you for every person that's here today. and Thank you for those who climbed over obstacles and hurdles to get here today. Bless them for it, I pray. And, Father, just keep us right in the palm of your hand. And I'll thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we ask it. And all the church said together, amen. Amen. God bless you today. May the joy of the Lord always be your strength. God bless you today.